Good evening, Sports Zodians. How's everybody doing out there tonight? I am Mike Agliolaro. I am your host for this is Sports Zone. We're recording with you live like we do here each and every week via the I-95 Sports and Entertainment Radio Network. Of course, we are rebroadcast, redistributed through all the various podcasting outlets. So, as always, we thank you for listening to us, whether it's Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, TuneIn, Bullhorn, Rate, Like, Share, Subscribe, Do, All the Things. And we got a good show for you tonight. Dave Hastings is with us back from a one-week absence there. How you doing, brother? Not too bad, Mike. How about yourself? Not too bad. Not too bad. So, yeah. you want Anything you want to say about your trip over to Europe? I will say, uh, my for my first time across the pond, it was a great time. And if there happened to be anybody listening out in Dublin or in Portugal... <laughs> Thank you for being great hosts. But yeah, no, it was amazing. Never been there before. Never even crossed the pond, as they say. Uh, so it was, it was felt like a once in a lifetime experience, and I tried to treat it that way. Absolutely, man. I can only imagine. So glad you got to do that. But even happier to have you back here with us this week. And obviously, we got a lot to talk about tonight. A lot of football news coming out yesterday. Signings: Dalvin Cook now with the Jets. Um, Ezekiel Elliott now with the Patriots. So obviously we'll get into that. A little bit of basketball to talk about because, and I'm still trying to figure, uh, put this one together, but uh, apparently the NBA announced the uh, groups for the in-season tournament, which is going to be from the beginning of November through the first week of December and still count towards the regular season. So I'm sure we'll talk about that. And we're going to start our NFL preview tonight for the 2023-24 season. Uh, we do division by division every year. And we're starting with the AFC and NFC West. So we got all that to go into tonight. And I think the best way to start. So, Dave, you're coming back. You're seeing all this with the signings, Dalvin Cook, Zeke Elliott, like I said. What what stood out? Like Dalvin Cook going to the Jets, we had heard about this one possibly happening for a while. They were one of the rumored teams for him. And Brees Hall just got activated today. Can't have enough weapons, right? No, you can't, especially when you got guys that can, you know, if their legs stay fresh, they can touch the ball and, and hit, hit a home run for you. So um, I think the Jets made a nice move, a little pricey for the type of role he'll probably have on the team. But they're, I mean, to me, they're all in this year and they believe in what they have and that they can do it. I think mm -hmm. that also by signing Cook, it gives the Jets a chance to kind of slowly bring Brees Hall, uh, Brees Hall back um, to really kind of have that opportunity to try and get back to 100% and, you know, have his legs more fresh for the back half of the season. Um, but I also think that, Overall, like, I think Dalvin – I would have loved if Dallas signed Dalvin Cook. Like, I, I thought that, mm. like, I like Pollard. I like the, the kid Deuce Vaughn, um, you know, and 
but like they really don't have a guy that you know on third and one, third and two, you're going to want to hand the ball to and have the utmost faith they're going to get that yard. And that is something that they lose when by not having Zeke on the team anymore. So uh, I I like the signing for the Jets. I like the you know the extra weapon. I mean, you put him and Brees Hall in the backfield at the same time. There's a lot of things you can do, and the more guys you make the defense have to worry about, the more likely you are to, to have a big play and, you know, execute. So, um, yeah, I think uh, the Jets' biggest worry now is can the offensive line stay healthy and play well, and can Aaron Rodgers stay healthy and play well? Mm-hmm. You know, you get, you get 21, you know, the 2021 Aaron Rodgers – or even 21-22 Aaron Rodgers, and, and this team is a legit contender in the AFC. So I, I like that signing. Yeah, and definitely putting that with, like you said, Rodgers and some of the additions they've made at wide receiver. I mean, with the defense they had last year, it's going to be very interesting because obviously we, we have a few weeks to go until we get to the East, but – I feel like there's a lot of people out there kind of championing them as possible Super Bowl contenders. And because it is the Jets, I'm still on kind of a I'll believe it when I'll see it basis. And it's going to be very interesting, especially in this area, to see how far along the season we go if they get off to a good start before people start putting the cart before the horse on that one. Yeah, I mean, it's going to be interesting how they start the year. Their first six games are against playoff teams from last year. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, they really are going to start the season with a tough schedule. And it gets lighter on the back end, which I think helps them, right? Like, so if you're a Jets fan, you're going to look at this start to their year. And I think you got to be happy if they go three and three or four and two. I don't think that's something to be upset about. And it's no. a matter of you know, our Jets fans going to be able to look at it the same way and, and just appreciate, you know, a strong, you know, a good, a decent start. I just think the one game they can't lose is that Monday nighter against Buffalo. That, mm. that, to me, that to me is the game they got to win if they want a chance to win that division. And in the AFC, your, your, your only guaranteed way into the playoffs is going to be winning the division. Yeah. Now I hear you on that one. So they got some work to do. And I agree with you. If they get if they start out of those six games, three and three, four and two, that is a win for them. And they should take that, but you know how things go here. Um and then Zeke Elliott winds up signing with the Patriots, which seemed odd to me, but given what he wound up signing for, I, I get that that's a risk worth taking. And it makes sense for Zeke's standpoint because as much as, you know, the the post-Brady years have been a little lean, it's still the Patriots. It's still a team you consider in the discussion for at least the playoffs every year. I know at least I do. I've never considered Belichick to be someone who is – well, he doesn't help fantasy owners out. I can tell you that one. He's great at getting the most out of running backs in certain situations and using them to his advantage. And they do still have Stevenson, um, who's had a couple of pretty good years so far. I'm going to be curious to see how he uses Zeke. And I, I think his best numbers days are long behind him. You there? Yeah, I think Zeke. Oh. 
Yeah, I don't I don't think Zeke's putting up, you know, a, a thousand yards or, you no. know, but Zeke could give him, you know, four to six hundred yards, you know, have a, a game or two with multiple touchdowns. Like he could surprise you for a guy like, you know, on the fantasy level where he's a plug and play when you got guys out on bye weeks. But um I mean, really, for Zeke, when it comes down to that, is like him and Ramondre Stevenson are almost the same running back. Mm. They're, they're, the, they're the short yardage power backs, and, and that's really what Zeke pressed his hat on, I think. Um, and I got to shout out Joey D um, for, for making this point. One of the maybe the best parts of signing Zeke for New England is he gives you somebody that you can truly rely on as a pass-blocking running back. Hmm. So doing that and giving Mac Jones a little extra time or Zappy or whoever the hell they end up putting yeah. in a quarterback, um, you know, that could be what actually ends up making the difference for you is, is having a running back that can pick up that blitz and, and buy you a little bit of time. Um, but, yeah, I think, uh, you know, when we talk about the the AFC East, I, I don't really think, the signing of Zeke does much to swing the the pendulum in their ability to compete with Buffalo, the Jets, and even Miami. Mm-hmm. Now, I definitely agree with you there. Um, and I guess the last of everything from yesterday, so the Cowboys do wind up bringing Zach Martin back. He had two years left on his deal. They added 2 or $3 million more to each year. So his holdout is over. Nice to see. I, Dave, I know we're just both just happy to get past this. We talked about it a few weeks ago. We didn't think it was going to go too far. But after hearing some of Jerry Jones's comments, I, I'm just happy it ended quickly. Yeah, I mean, Jerry was trying to play hardball, and I think all of the fans of the Cowboys knew that there was no way Jerry was going to not have Zach Martin on that line uh, week one against the Giants. So, um Zach Martin played it right. He probably gave up about nine hundred grand to a million dollars in fines um, that the Cowboys uh, do not and will not be giving back to him. But at the same time, they ended up, or he ended up, all told, making an extra eighteen million. Um, so it's a couple extra million per year on his salary, but then his signing bonus and everything. Uh, equivalent to about 18 million extra over the next two years. Um, I think it's all fully guaranteed too. So he, he he made the right investment, right? If you told me I could spend a million dollars and in return I'd get 18, I'd I'd be all right with a 17 million dollar profit. So <laughs> absolutely, uh, uh, you know. So he handled that. He did what he had to do. I think he deserved it. I think you know he's still paid guard in the league, and I think he most people would agree he's probably the top best guard in the league um so overall i'm a fan and i heard today in mike mccarthy's press conference he said when they made the announcement that or when zach barnes showed up in the locker room uh the whole fucking team started screaming and cheering and high-fiving and hugging and everybody was amped so you know you can't put a dollar value on that no not at all great to hear so yeah, I mean, not too much more to throw in here uh, for me. Great to have him back. I think we kind of said it a few weeks ago. We didn't really think it was going to go that long. So glad it's over. So I, I will point this out real quickly. I will because, second. Oh, yeah. 
Absolutely. I'll point this out real quick. We don't have to spend too much time on it, but we are going to be talking about the AFC and NFC West. And I, I know the Seahawks weren't his last team. I know the Ravens were his last team, but uh, just rest in peace to Alex Collins dying Monday uh, involved in a motorcycle crash in Florida. So rest in peace there. I want to bring that up now. I am, I am curious here because obviously we're going to go into the, um, the, the uh, preview of the NFC and the AFC West. But, Dave, I, I feel like we kind of have to bring up uh, the, the big story that came out yesterday. Um, Michael Orr, who, of course, was the subject of the movie The Blind Side, files a lawsuit claiming that the Tui family, who was the family depicted, Sandra Bullock, the mother in the movie, um, that they never actually adopted adopted him. They put him in a conservatorship, and he is seeking financial uh, gains uh, from the movie that apparently he was cut out of. Did you hear about this? I did, and it broke my heart because I fucking love that movie. It was really good. Did like that movie. Yeah. yeah so I mean, look, I, I'll say this, right? Like. Why, why is this happening now and not when the movie came out and grossed like, you know, a couple hundred million dollars like that? Like, I want to like, where's the motivation coming from? That movie's like a decade old now. So like, where did it come from? Why is it happening? Like, that's a little weird to me. I don't know. Uh, I mean, maybe, uh, maybe I'm pulling an Eric and busting out the tinfoil hat. I don't know. So there's just something weird about this. And it's kind of, I don't know. It made me very curious of where this was coming from. Mm. And I, I I will actually give him a nod on this, too, because I, I'd be lying if I said that my first thought um, when I heard this wasn't how long has he been out of the NFL? And what did he do with his money that this is coming up now? And I felt bad for a moment that that was my first thought, but that was that was the first thought. Yeah, I mean, like I said, my first thought was how sad how sad I was because I really thought that was a beautiful story. <laughs> and to find yeah. out that it's not exactly how things are. I mean, you know, movies that, you know, based on a true story, you know, it's not identical to what actually happened. But, like, mm-hmm. you think, like, wow, there, you know, there is some really good people in this world and, and they help, you know, give this kid a chance. Yeah. But, you know, other than that, yeah, that was my second thought. Why is this coming up now? This is a little weird. Why are we doing this? Mm-hmm. I will say there, I had been hearing rumblings for, ye- for years, like a long time ago, that he was unhappy with the way he was portrayed. Uh, he didn't think it was right that it was portrayed that he didn't know how to play football before he came to the Tui family. And I, I had heard things like that. What's interesting is members of the Tui family have actually done a couple of interviews. I know the father was quoted in a paper in an article that I read earlier today. And the son actually did an interview with Barstool Sports yesterday. They have no animosity towards Michael Orr in the least. And they're saddened by everything. But it doesn't seem like there's any animosity on their part. They actually do want him to get whatever money he feels he's entitled from. They just don't think it's theirs to give him. They, they feel he should be going after the studios. And apparently this isn't the first time he tried to um, 
file a lawsuit to try to get some money out of this. I guess he tried to file things against the um, the studios at first, and then apparently he moved to the family. Yeah, it. I heard that there was something that he tried to do previous to this, but yeah, there definitely seems to be, in my opinion, basically he had a bad agent or made a decision on his own where he signed off. Like they can't literally do a movie about you using your name and everything and, and not have you sign off on something saying that it was okay to do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Especially a movie that stars Sandra Bullock. Like this is not some like small flick. Yeah. It's just, that's the part. How much of his story are you willing to believe? And I don't know. It's going to be interesting to see how this whole thing plays out, but I, I wanted to bring it up here. As much as we're kind of skipping to the pop culture, I wanted to bring it up just because that was that made some very big uh, uh, news yesterday. So I wanted to bring it up here. Cousin David in the chat saying a conservatism allows a family to sign off for you. Yeah, again, that's why I say how much of the story do you believe? Because I don't know. It just doesn't seem to me like from everything I'm hearing and I could be totally wrong. I don't know that they would have done that to him. And I don't know that they got enough out of it. Again, if you're believing everything that they've put out so far. So, anyway. And that's the real, that's the real oh. question. How, who, who are you going to believe? Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. So, I think with that, did you have anything else uh, football-wise? I know you've been gone a couple weeks. Anything else you wanted to bring up before we move to the preview? I mean, you had your first preseason games, um, you know, uh, some of the younger kids getting a chance to shine and play, try to make a roster. Um, so, I mean, I don't watch preseason football. I, I'm not going to sit here and act like I paid attention to the games. I mean, I saw some highlights from some of the games. There were some really crazy catches that were pretty damn impressive. Um, so that was fun. Um, and then that Deuce Vaughn kid for Dallas looks really, really good. Um, yeah. But again, you know, he's playing. He's not playing against you know starters, so doesn't mean as much. Um, and uh, yeah, the Colts already came out and said that uh, their first round draft pick, Anthony Richardson, is going to be their starting quarterback. Yeah, and most people. Most people said the biggest knock on the kid he, was he didn't have experience. So it it goes back to that old you know chicken or the egg type of thing like is it better to let him sit and learn or is it better to throw him out there and see if he's got it i mean yeah. me personally if i'm taking a guy in the top five i expect you to get on the field literally game week one so that, that's I, I don't have a problem with it i like it go make your mistakes have your growing pains and if you learn from them you'll you have the potential to be a great quarterback if you don't you'll be out of the league before your uh rookie contract's over yeah, absolutely. I, I just hope he has better luck than the previous Richardson that they took that. Um, well, they didn't draft him, but they traded for him after the Browns tra- drafted for him. I hope they have better luck with this Richardson. I, I would agree with that. And um, also, while I'm on that, while we're on the topic of him starting for the Colts, this will I, I believe this is an NF there, an extension of their NFL record seven straight seasons this year will make of them having a different starting quarterback. Wow. I Talk think... about a record you don't want. No, not at all. 
You look at the way the last few years have gone for them. Definitely, yeah. For their sake, I hope this is the end of it. But then again, we did talk about the Jonathan Taylor thing a couple weeks ago. It'll be interesting to see how that plays into their season. I'd say I'll bring up I'll bring up one more thing before we go in there because this just reminded me we've never talked about the Hall of Fame class that went in a couple of weeks back. So I I know Eric is mostly right with what he had always said in terms of the Hall of the Very Good. I don't 100% agree with it, but he does have a point. I think some of the headliners for this year's class, Rondé Barber, Jarrell Rivas, Joe Thomas, Zach Thomas, DeMarcus Ware. I don't know. I, I find it hard to argue with too many of those names, Dave. What do you say? Yeah, no, I can't argue with any of those names. When Revis was on the field, he literally shut down an entire half of the field. Um, mm-hmm. You can't argue that at all. It was consistent. It was regular. Um, and then though, uh, DeMarcus Ware, I mean, come on, he, he's got a special place in my heart. I know he got one in yours. And also, yeah. I have a picture with him and a signed jersey that I watched him sign right in front of me at my house. So, like, definitely love DeMarcus Ware. Um and what honestly, the only thing that pisses me off is they showed the display of Demarcus Ware in the Hall of Fame, and not a single piece of Dallas Cowboys gear. All Denver Broncos. Oh, that's horrible. That's not right. No. And I believe the NFL is aware of, of people being pissed about, it and they plan on changing that. But still, that that shouldn't have happened in the first place. So uh, that would be. Uh, but outside of that. No, I think everybody, those headliners are well-deserving of their Hall of Fame uh, nod and, and deserve to be in Canton. Mm-hmm. And I, I don't know enough about the uh, the ones who got in basically like the Veterans Committee that, because, as has been pointed out, they have to hit a certain amount of inductees every year. I don't know enough about them to be able to confirm or deny whether or not they belong, but, I mean, that's the that's the part that – is a little hard to get past when it comes to the NFL, but it's still the elite of the elite in some estimation. So, yeah. So I think with that, now we'll move to our division by division preview. We do this every year and obviously we're doing it for the 2023, 24 NFL season. And tonight we'll start with the AFC West and the NFC West. And these two divisions are interesting for different reasons. Because I look at the AFC West, and to me, there is one team very clearly head and shoulders above the rest. And it's the team that's won two of the last five Super Bowls is the Kansas City Chiefs. Then you got the Chargers, who were hoping for another year of progression out of Justin Herbert. And hopefully they can rebound off of a devastating end to last season in the wild card round of the playoffs. And then with the Broncos and Raiders, to me, like the Broncos, I think, how much do you believe that the difference between a good Russell Wilson and a bad Russell Wilson at this point truly is going from Nathaniel Hackett to Sean Payton? Obviously, Payton's the better head coach with the better record. Is that really going to be what uh, busts Russell Wilson out of what he went through last season and turns him back? into the Pro Bowl quarterback he was with Seattle. And then you got the Raiders. And I don't know. To me, they're still trying to get past the John Gruden days. They had the 
terrible season last year, at least by the standards that they had had the season before when they made the playoffs. They had the big run where the team rallied around everything. Last year, they really fell flat. And this year, they're replacing David Carr with Jimmy Garoppolo and hoping that he can at least be a serviceable quarterback with a very good wide receiving core led by Devontae Adams. And hopefully they are able to bring Josh Jacobs back into the fold before the season starts as he still hasn't signed his franchise tender and is away uh, from team activities at this time. So that's kind of where we're at with the AFC West. Dave, I'll let you go from there. Well, I mean, you kind of laid it out, right? It's the Chiefs mm-hmm. and everybody else. I mean, that that's mm-hmm. the simplest thing to say about this division to get started. Now, the Chiefs, I expect to be what they've been the last five, six years, right? They're going to be a Super Bowl contender. They're going to lose a game or two that you thought they were going to win. They'll pull out some tight games against teams that they should have blown out of the water. And, you know, the, the Andy Reid, Patrick Mahomes love affair continues. Um, Chris Jones holding out, that's kind of a big deal, but I think he'll come back at some point. So I don't think Kansas City's overly worried about that. Um, you then have nothing else really to worry about. I mean, their defense isn't great, but I, their offense scores enough points that they put so much pressure on other teams to make them feel like they've got to make plays every time they have the ball that it really works in their advantage. Um, so I think you have that with Kansas City. I, I think Denver, like you said, I mean, Russell Wilson didn't look very good in the first uh, preseason game, but it is preseason, so I'm not going to rest everything on that. But I will go back. There is no forgetting how bad he looked last year. There's just <laughs> there's just not. There's no way you can, and if you do, it's because you're a Broncos fan and you ha- you're you're choosing to forget last year even happened. Um, so can he get back to the player he was in Seattle or, or is he really at the end of his career? Um, I think Sean Payton's got a longer leash than Russell Wilson does right now. So that tells you all you need to know about how he's, how he stands right now amongst everybody. So you got that their defense is going to be good. I mean, Denver has consistently good defense for years now. But overall, I, I just don't have a reason to trust their offense right now. Um, you know, then you look at the Chargers. They add Kellen Moore as their offensive coordinator. Um, you know, you've still got Eckler. You got Mike Williams. You got Keenan Allen. Like, I mean, offensively should be pretty good. Defensively should be pretty good. It's just can they be consistent and put it all together and where the damn coach get out of his own way. The guy's the king of going for two points. Wants to go for it on fourth down all the freaking time. And it's like, bro, play football. It's okay. <laughs> so, I think that's their biggest question mark. And the Raiders, I mean, outside of having a defense that's going to get after the quarterback, I, I, I don't know what else that team has. So, if you can run the ball against them, uh, you're fine. If you don't turn over the ball, you're fine. Offensively, Jimmy G, I don't, I just, I mean, he, outside of when he played for Belichick, has never been anything overly impressive. Kyle Shanahan made him look good, but even Kyle Shanahan was willing to go with an undraft, you know, stick with an undrafted rookie or the last draft pick of the draft rookie quarterback over him. So that kind of tells you all you need to know about him and hell, Trey Lance as well, while we're on the topic. Um, San Francisco, but we'll get to the NFC. Uh, 
West or yeah, NFC West in a minute. Um, so yeah, I mean, I think it's pretty clear cut that this division is is the Chiefs, and then everybody else coming up the rear. This might this is probably the only division that I've really outside of the Chargers don't think they have uh, another team that can make pull off one of the wild card spots. I think that's what I would say. Yeah, I definitely agree with that. And the Chargers, I, I it, they're definitely going to be in at least a wild card hunt. My big thing with the Chargers, and I, I know I've said this before, they got to get past the bright lights. Because you saw what they did in the postseason against the Jaguars. They had the big lead, and then they blew it in the second half. I don't know why that is, but it just feels like every time the spotlight's on them and they have the opportunity to seize it and take it, they give it away. Now, maybe that's just me. I, I don't know. But, yeah, now, if we're going in terms of standings here, yeah, I think the, the consensus is going to be Kansas City. San Diego, I, I, me personally, we're going to see how the standings shake out before I anoint them a wild card team. And Vegas and Denver, yeah, I, I can't say it any better than you said. And the fact that Denver, it's going to be interesting how Sean Payton, the impact he's able to have on the team. I don't know. I don't know. I think with that, we can start our standings for this. Would you like me to go first or would you like to go first, Dave? Well, my, my real question is, are you writing down mine and yours, or am I going to have to write mine down and keep track of them? Well, because it's just you and me, I'll I'll, I'll be nice, Dave. I'll write down yours. I appreciate that, because I really want to pour this beer and take a sip of it. <laughs> okay. Okay. All right. So I'm writing it down. Did you want to go first, or you want me to go first? Um... Oh. I will go first with the NFC West. I'll let you go first on this one. Okay. All right. Well, to the shock of no one, Kansas City got them winning the division at 12 and 5. I have San Diego at 9 and 8. Like I said, we'll we'll see how we go forward with the rest of the divisions if it winds up shaking out that they make the wild card. I'm not a. I'm just going to go out and say it. I'm not a believer in San Diego, though. They need to prove it to me. Uh, if we were picking quarterbacks, I I don't know where I would pick Justin Herbert and Trevor Lawrence, but I know Lawrence would be ahead of Herbert in my quarterback rankings. So there's that. I, I really don't feel good about this one. I'm putting it down just because. I, I'm not saying I think Russell Wilson is going to go back to where he was at elite levels and all that stuff. I'm just, he, he's got to be better than he was last year. Peyton is, is a good coach who can at least keep teams respectable. So I have them at eight and nine. But again, I, I don't feel good about that because that's a three game improvement over what they had last season. And I, I don't know if I fully believe that they're three games better this season. But Oakland, I got no problem putting at six and eleven exactly where they finished last season because I they didn't get better this offseason. So that's my standings no, right there. No, they did not. No. <laughs> I no. actually would say they got worse because their best player is pissed off and you don't know when he's gonna come back. Yeah. He's yeah. gonna play. 
I mean, I will say that. I know he's going to play for the Raiders this year. I have no doubt in my head that he will play for the Raiders this year. But when? That's the real question. Um. So, yeah, I look. I look like this, right? I think the Raiders are a game worse. So, I believe that's 5-12. and 12. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the Chiefs have the exact opposite uh, record and go 12 and 5. Nice. I think the Chiefs. You know what? Kellen Moore may have been a very frustrating part of the Cowboys, but at the same time, he was the offensive coordinator of a team with back to back 12 win seasons. Um, Last year, he did it with a, a. a wide receiving core where their number two wouldn't even make their roster this year. Um, he dealt with rookie at left tackle. Um, so I, I got to have faith in him. So I'm, I'm going to give him one more game than you're giving the charges. I'm going to put him at 10 and seven. All right. Last but not least is the Denver Broncos. And I have no idea what to, what to think of this team. Um, I think you said it as well, right? Like, is, is Sean Payton that big of a difference from the crap, crap we watched them have last year? And it's hard to imagine he's going to be. No disrespect to the guy, but I just – I don't know how you turn around a team that quick. Mm-hmm. And they don't have a lot of talent. Most of their talent's on the defensive side of the ball. So, like – What's that? Like, that, that just puts you in a rough spot, man. You got to keep up with – the Chargers and the Chiefs are going to score points. Like, there's no question they're going to be able to do that. It's going to be, can they stop teams from scoring points and execute on offense in the big moments, like you said, when the spotlight's on them. So, I am going to say Denver is 7-9. and nine. Or, I'm sorry, wait. 7-10. There you go. All right. Fair enough there. I mean, listen, at the end of the day, I think we both look at the division the same way. And we're only off by game there. So with that, we'll move on to the NFC West. And, I mean, this – when I started thinking about how I was going to say this, I was thinking about saying that these divisions are similar. And they are in a way because there's only – one team that you can clearly look at as the standout. But then beyond that, the NFC West is a little different to me because I think all three teams can compete for a playoff spot if they're right. I also think all three teams can be competing for the first overall draft pick when th- if things go wrong this year. Because Seattle, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, they didn't really do too much in the offseason. They re-signed Geno Smith, and they're just hoping – that their formula for last season carries over into this season. That's a big hope, in my opinion. The Rams are hoping that with Cooper Cup healthy and back with Matt Stafford, they can get back where they were only a year and a half ago when they won a Super Bowl. And then you have the Arizona Cardinals who, um, yeah, um, I am reminded of the words of Steve Cohen, and hope is not a strategy. I'm going to add to that, but don't tell the Cardinals. Yeah. <laughs> like, I mean, what else? Like, it's – you got to look at that team and just think to yourself, like, really, what are they going to be able to do? 
um, is Kyler Murray going to be what they signed him to be? There's so many question marks um, with that roster that, yeah, there's a lot. There's a lot to it. But I'm sorry, I'll let you finish your uh, synopsis. Oh, no, that was was everything. uh, That was finished. I thought that was a smooth line to finish it on. All right, word. I'm I'm with you, my friend. Well, well, well done there. Um, Thank you. But yeah, I just I really think uh, when you look at this division, it's San Francisco and everybody else. Yeah, I don't think there's any way around it. <clears throat> and I think when you realize that, you accept the fact that there there's not much in that division that's going to compete with them. And it sucks for everybody else, but it's kind of similar, like you said, to uh, to looking at the AFC West, too, right? Like, it's really Kansas City or everybody else. But with that said, <clears throat> I think that you look at this division, San Francisco, it all comes – like, I, I just don't think it matters who he has – who Shanahan – right, Shanahan has – Yes. At, quarter, at quarterback. I just don't think it matters. Like, I literally don't think that guy gives two craps who his, quarter, or his quarterback is. He's just like, I'm going to run the ball. I'm going to scheme my players in, and put them in positions to succeed. And my quarterback just has to get them the ball. That's all he has to do. That's it. Just get on the ball. Life is good. And when you have that type of confidence and you have that type of know-how as a coach, there's no, there's literally no wrong you can do. And that's what you're going to see. So, I mean, for 49ers fans, you know, they're hoping that Purdy's okay and he can play. Um, it seems like he is no longer on a uh, restriction when it comes down to the amount of reps. So, he should be full go. Um, like, there's no – like, he's going to – it's going to be trouble. It really is. Um, at least for that division. I'll say that much. But – yeah, I think you look at that team and they're they're your clear cut favorite. I think Seattle and the Rams are kind of your next ones up. Like who's gonna be what? So that's that to me is really interesting to see how that unfolds. Um I really do think Geno Smith kind of comes a little bit back down to earth. Like the way he played last year was just insane. Um, so I do think he comes a little bit back down to earth, but overall, I think he still can play really well. Um, and you look at it overall, I just think that as a team, they have a solid roster. They just don't have a roster that's going to blow you away. So they have Kenneth Walker, the third who played really, really well last year. Um, so I think that's going to be helpful. Um, and I think you can expect him to build on that, um, and overall, like, I just think you look at them and, and they have talent. It's just I don't think they're good enough to stay up with San Francisco. Um, yeah. Arizona, like I said, I have no idea what the hell to expect from Arizona. I'm not even trying to figure <laughs> out. I'm going to get it. I have absolutely no clue what the hell to expect out of Arizona. No. So we'll, we'll, we'll just see. Um mm-hmm. And then, yeah, I think uh, last is the Rams. I mean, injuries is what really did them in last year. So maybe they come back and, you know, like you said, a year and a half removed from winning the Super Bowl. So maybe they come back and they play lights out and they're competing with San Francisco. I'm just not putting my money on. 
Yeah, me neither. I, I got I got to ask you a question. Maybe this is just me, and if this is if this is just me completely missing this one, I I, I apologize grossly. But you know, on the Sports Zone Twitter, there's a there's a lot of Niners stuff that pops up on the timeline. So I wind up reading this, and this has gone on. I I guess this entire offseason, I I know Brock Purdy stepped in and did reasonably well for a dude that nobody expected to be able to handle that position in an offense that is basically tailor-made for any quarterback with a pulse. We'll leave Josh Johnson out of this. He clearly didn't have a pulse. But how did they come into training camp convinced that Purdy was the guy and give up on the guy in Trey Lance who they spent two first-round draft picks on, and he only had about four games to show what he did. And by all accounts, he wasn't terrible. How do you make that decision that quickly? I, I mean, that's the thing, right? We're not there for practice. <laughs> so I, I don't – there's something that we're you, you don't see – or that you know they're not going to talk about that. That's that's what does it right. Like that's what separates them. So I have mm-hmm. no idea. I have no answers for you. I just know that there's something that they know that we don't know, and obviously they're not making a bad decision because it's worked out well. We shall see. It did work out end of last season with Purdy stepping in. I'm just very curious to see if the Purdy time is going to last for an entire season. That's my thing. And, and again, seeing some of the stuff that's come out on the timeline is kind of ridiculous to me because they signed Sam Darnold as well. Um, and an adept move, you know, it kind of made sense. I mean, we know what Shanahan's system is, and obviously he doesn't want to be caught in a situation like he was caught in in the conference championship game uh, again this, this time around. So you get that. But the fact that some of the beat reporters have said that the Niners' internal jet depth chart has – Purdy listed as one, Darnold listed as two, Brandon Allen as their third string quarterback with Lance not even being on the chart. Yeah, because I think they're really hoping to be able to trade him, and that's why he played as much as he did in their first preseason game and got sacked five times. That did happen, yes. So, I mean, you can obviously put some of that on the offensive line, but at some point you're holding the ball for too long. Mm-hmm. I agree. It's just, it's crazy to me. Um, but anyway, I think with that, we'll do the standings here, our little mock standings. Uh, so we said it. San Francisco is going to be the top of the division. And I'll, I'll go first, obviously. Um, San Francisco, I have at 11 and 6. I, I will say the Rams do recover slightly. I will have them at 8 and 9. Um, Cooper cup being healthy is going to be a big thing, but I feel like the rest of their, you know, players there at wide receiver, they felt that loss of Odell Beckham jr. And unless someone really steps up and fills that role of the number two wide receiver, it wasn't Allen Robinson last year. I think they went internal this year. Cause I saw Van Jefferson listed as their number two wide receiver. If they can't be a full throttle offense the way they were when they won the Super Bowl, I, I don't know. That doesn't look good for them. And not having Jalen Ramsey on the other side of the football doesn't help either. Seahawks, I have at seven and ten. You mentioned likely a regression coming for Geno Smith. It's Pete Carroll, so I'm not going to say they're going to be down in the dumps. But 
they're not making the playoffs. So, so seven and ten there. And then I, I think I'm going to be generous with Arizona here. I'm going to have them at five and twelve. But another team that seems to recycle through coaches because you know they had King, Kingsbury for a few, uh, two or three years there. He's gone now, and we'll see if Jonathan Gannon can solve the Kyler Murray issue. Good luck. Yeah, I mean, I will also – the one thing I will give Kyler Murray is that, like, dude can't stay healthy. And he really has kind of bounced from coach to coach, which is never good for a player, right? Like, so I'll give him that. But overall, I, he hasn't – he's only shown flashes. He's never shown the consistency on a, on a day-in, day-out basis. So until he does, there's no reason for me to sit here and think that, you know, he's going to be anything more than what he's been. Like, there's really no other way to say it. Like, I mean, I, there's just no other way. So, um, yeah, I think looking at that team overall, you just have to say to yourself, like, they're either going to suck or they're going to be competitive. But I, I think it's more likely suck. So with that, um, yeah, we'll say I've got San Francisco at, let's say, I'm going to say 11 and 6. Because they've got a rough schedule this year. So I'll say 11 and 6 for San Francisco. I will say 8 and 9 for Seattle. Oh, okay. I will say I'll say 9 and 8 for the Rams. Okay. I will say 4 and 13 for the Cardinals. So with each division, we have the same record for the team at the top, and then we differ slightly with the rest. Nice. All right. A little variety. So there you go, a little variety. Spice of life. There you go. All right. Um, I think with that, we'll move off of football. A couple things basketball-wise. All right. So now, apparently, we, we've talked about the James Harden situation before here. This week, uh, not only did Daryl Morley and the Sixers basically announce that they will be taking James Harden off the trading block and they expect him to show up for training camp, but at, James Harden was apparently at some um, fundraiser thing with a bunch of kids in China, I think I saw. And he decided to go on the record and call Daryl Morley a liar and say he will never play for any organization that he is a part of ever again. And this is now the second time that – oh, Dave, did you say something? Sorry. No, I'm just laughing. That's all. <laughs> it is pretty funny because this is now the second time that Harden is trying to engineer a trade from a team that Morey is – uh, a part of in the third time over the last four years, he's trying to engineer a trade out. And, and um, 
Yeah, who didn't see this coming? Him going to Philadelphia and then demanding his way out like this. When he does stuff like this, it is so hard to root for these guys. We've said it before. Yeah. There's no other way to play. It's like it's like a freaking broken record. Um, that's probably the best way I can say it. it. It's literally like a broken record, and it's it's. I'm sure it's frustrating for the fans of these teams. Um, I can play a match like much. Just want to like slam your head into a wall. You're like, why do I root for these people? But it it just sucks for them. Right. Like I feel, you know, I feel bad that you're you're in a position where you ha- are rooting for a guy or a team that just can't keep their player. Like, I don't know what it is. Right. Are we blaming Maury? Are we blaming um, Harden? Are we like I, you could go a lot of ways and I think you would be fair in any route you went. And that's the craziest part to me. Like you really could. You could sit there and be like, oh, no, this is on Harden, right? Or, oh, no, this is on Morally. Like, you could be justified how you think. Mm. Yeah. That, that, to me, is probably the worst part if you're a fan of these, one of these. Mm-hmm. And the issue in believing Harden here, because the, I know the side of the story that I heard was that Harden feels that I guess last season, and I, I can't remember the exact wording. I guess he agreed to whatever he agreed to under the assumption that when he was a free agent this offseason, he would get rewarded financially. And he wound up exercising his option, in effect, not getting that reward. If Maury had promised it, that would put the fault on Maury. And I think for a lot of people, that would be enough to sway fan support. The biggest issue is this is now the third time a situation is coming up that Harden feels he can no longer be a part of, and the first two he orchestrated. Oh, my God. (laughs) Right? He's poor fucking. That's just ridiculous. Mm Mm-hmm. It's like you cry wolf long enough, everybody's going to be like, okay, ain't listening to a goddamn thing you're saying. And then what happens? You get your ass bit off. Yeah. Like, holy shit. Mm hmm. So, nothing else really to say about that one. I, I'll mention this real quick because I brought it up earlier. So they announced the the groups for group play, the first round of this in-season tournament that they're giving us this season um group b has milwaukee the knicks miami washington and the hornets uh group c has the celtics nets raptors bulls and magic i mean basically these groups look to be sticking not necessarily division lines but at least within the conferences so i i don't i I still don't really know what to make of this in-game tournament. I think it's just going to be interesting to see the way it unfolds. What do you say, Dave? Yeah, because I really don't completely grasp the reasoning behind it. Like, I think I think they're looking for ways to keep people interested in the game before the playoffs get here. Because the playoffs are the only time people care about the NBA. 
Mm-hmm. And I feel like that's really all they're doing. So I really don't know what to feel or think about it because I don't really get why what competitive advantage or situation does that lay out for the guys playing in it. Like that's that, that's where my confusion lies. So I'm just kind of like in a position where I'm like, okay, like cool, but like is it really cool or like are we just doing this so you have something else to talk about? Mm. And for me personally, I feel like at one point, because I, I they've been talking about doing something like this for a while before it actually got implemented for this season. And I feel like at first, the motivation might have been to curb um, rest days for players, the maintenance days for players to get the players invested on it. But I don't know how throwing playoff-level basketball, at least in theory, in the middle of the season, without shortening said season, I don't know how that curbs maintenance days. So that's my thing, too. Because now you're talking about trying to get fans motivated and the players motivated for this. Yeah, I got to agree with you on that. I don't really see why it would motivate players when they're like, well, the real tournament's the NBA champ uh nba play so is this really gonna matter i don't know but i guess yeah. the one positive for like those teams that can't compete for a championship and you got a chance to still play in the tournament i guess i don't know yeah i got nothing on that but that's why it, this, i guess for nothing else just to see how this gets implemented implemented will make uh an interesting season at least like I said, beginning of November to the first week in December, apparently, is when this is running. So, we'll see. I Did you have anything else you wanted to throw in sports-wise tonight, Dave? Um, U.S. women's national soccer team got eliminated uh, a little while against Sweden a little while back. Um, now, Sweden just lost, so they're waiting to set up the World Cup final. Um so that should that game should be set and I believe played on Thursday. And the final game was the early this morning, so it could be Wednesday. I'm not sure because they're playing in New Zealand, so they're like hours ahead of us. Mm. Um, but yeah, I mean it was a disappointing uh, loss for U.S. women. Um, I mean they were aiming to win their fourth uh, World Cup in a row. Uh, they already hold the record with three in a row. But their team's getting older. They got younger players still learning. Um, and, you know, I know some people are against them because of their political stands. But overall, they've been fun as hell to watch and actually gave the U.S. something to be proud of in the world of soccer. So, I was a fan. Yeah. I mean, I've, I've said for years I've, I thought of all the sports where the, the pay gap is what it is. I felt like soccer was really the only one where you can make a very strong case that women deserve to be paid more than the men simply because they're the ones who have won for the country over the last 20, 30 years, not the men. And that's the standard on the men's side of the Olympics. That that should be the standard for the women's side. I think there were a lot of people gloating about their loss that just, they just, I, I didn't like seeing that. 
We don't really need to go into specifics there, but it's just like, dude, I'm sorry. The women's soccer team is the only thing that can give the USA any sort of national pride when it comes to that sport. Like, you're going to shit on them just because you don't like certain things? Come on. Yeah. I would agree with you there, my friend. But, yeah, overall, that was disappointing. But, look, women's soccer is uh, overall pretty entertaining, if I'm going to be honest. So, I mean, Mm. shit. Like... If you want to wait, I mean, the only thing that sucks and why there, there's no ratings this year is because they're playing at, you know, 3 a.m. U.S. Mm. No. I agree. I do agree. Because they, if I'm not mistaken, women's soccer has always gotten numbers when the games are live during times that people can watch. So. Oh, yeah, no, they're yeah. always fine in the ratings. Mm-hmm. All right. Do you have anything else, Dave? That'd be it, my friend. All right. Did we get to talk about the season finale or series finale of Secret Invasion? Uh, No, we did not, but I have seen it. Okay. What did you think of it? Uh, That's a very hard question for me to answer. (laughs) Uh, There was parts of me that genuinely enjoyed that final fight scene. Um, and then parts of me that where I was like, that is one of the corniest things I've ever seen in my life. Um, so very torn with that. Uh, wasn't really, I don't know, the love story thing when, uh, with, with Samuel L. Just, I don't know. It just doesn't seem like his character to me. So that kind of bothered me a little bit. Um, but, yeah, I, I mean, I enjoyed it. It just wasn't, you know, what I think it could have been. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was I was pretty disappointed by the finale. And I, I like you. I The fight scene was okay, I thought. Like, there were moments where I thought it was pretty decent. There were times that we were just like, okay, we can end this now. But I think I, my disappointment... When I turned the thing on and I looked at the menu bar and I I basically saw that the episode was only about a half hour, 35 minutes in my head, I knew I was going to be disappointed because they never stick the landing on the finales. This one, even more so you could just tell that they weren't going to be able to tie everything up at the end. Now there were, there were a couple parts I did like, I liked the way that after the president, um, you know, basically announced scrolls and declared war on him and everything. I kind of liked that sequence afterwards, but I they started this off with the idea say, uh, Nick Fury, broken man, battered man. I didn't really see anything that would lead me to believe that he came out of it other than that he got his old stuff and put his old patch back on. I, I know at the end of the day, he stopped the invasion and everything, but I didn't. I didn't really feel like it was Fury getting back to where he was Fury. It just, you know, I, I you, do you get what I'm saying? Yeah. What I, what yeah. I will say that I did like was the, the fact that it wasn't Fury talking to him at the end. Like I, I was a fan of how they mixed that in and had mm. her gave, gave what's her name a, ch- a chance to shine. Um, yeah. Amelia Clark. It, 
Yeah, yeah. And I, I did like seeing her with Olivia Coleman's character at the end of that. That was pretty cool. I yeah. liked that scene. I I was good with that. Um and like I genuinely like that was cool with me. But yeah, there was definitely some areas where you're like, you guys could have definitely did better. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that one was a disappointment. I know we got um switched to Star Wars, which you still ain't even caught up on the Mandalorian, right? Uh no. Yep. No. Okay. So yeah, Ahsoka's gonna be coming out in a couple weeks and yeah, I mean hopefully that one's good. But um yeah, I, I it's gonna be interesting to see where the MCU co- goes from here, especially with the series, because I don't know. We've talked about how underwhelming they are. We've especially talked about when the finales kind of sucked. So hopefully they improve and hopefully they do go back to making quality over quantity, which seems to be something that they've kind of edicted over the last few months. So hopefully that's the case. I did enjoy seeing Guardians make its way to um, Disney Plus because I did rewatch that for the first time since the theater. Yeah, that was a really good movie. Other than that, I got nothing else pop culture wise. Did you have anything? Um, so I had one little tidbit that I thought you're either gonna like or dislike. Okay. But so far, the number one watched show, like TV series show, streaming and cable in the con- in the U.S. right now is Suits. I figured that's what you were going to go with as soon as you said the number one show. Because, yeah, I've been seeing that. Um, I it might, Whenever you went away for that week the first time, I think that's when I saw it. Because I think that's around the time I started watching it. I did see that's like the number one show. Yeah. You know, yeah. it's. I think there's a lot of people like me who just didn't pay attention to it when it was on USA. And for whatever reason. Maybe they, maybe they all got a Dave in their life who said you should watch the show, and they thought, hey, I'll watch the show. They could only hope to be so lucky. <laughs> yeah. I will say this. is Since you brought it up, um, I know I told you I enjoyed the finale. I did like the way that final season came together, which you can't watch the final season on Netflix. You have to go to Peacock to watch that. I, I don't know what the deal with the rights are, but. Yeah, I thought the ninth season was definitely better than the eighth season. And you, you like some of the actors they get to play these guys. Just, me being someone who's watched a lot of television, and I, I pop for actors I recognize from different things. Like the big bad of the final season was Tasha Yar from Star Trek: The Next Generation. I thought that was pretty cool. Um, you really hated her character at, at many moments. I will say that. But it was it was nice the way they and I tell you this, oh my God, the the part I laughed the hardest at when they did the the end spoilers when they did the wedding for Lewis and all of a sudden they cut to Lewis in the fucking morning coat the top hat, I'm just like what the fuck is good? Well, it's Lewis, it's fine, it's fine. Yeah, of course he'd be doing that. That made I me mean, laugh. And that's the thing, right? When you asked me how I felt about him, I told you. It, <laughs> I couldn't answer it until you watched it because he's just one of those characters that at times you hate him and at times you love him. You, you just mm-hmm. and the guy that played him, he did such an amazing job with that character. Mm-hmm. I had seen that guy in a couple minor things. I think he was on Las Vegas show I used to like, and um, 
He never really stood out, but God, he fucking nailed this performance. But another guy, I'm sure if we go through, he never won one award for that, huh? Uh, I can't say I have any idea. Mm. Yeah. Probably should have won an award for that one. Lisa supporting actor, because he was really good. But there's a lot of actors you could say that about that unfortunately never wind up winning. I still say Charlie Hunnam should have won at least one Emmy for uh, Jack's Teller on Sons, Sons of Anarchy. I I don't know him by their real names. What character did he play? No, that Jax Teller. Jax Teller. Oh, oh, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, he yeah. was he was amazing in that in that show. Mm-hmm. Yeah, as a bunch of them. So yeah, no, I did enjoy the way that they did that, and I will say, Catherine Heigl did kind of grow on me a little bit. I liked the way she was used in that final season. The the other guy that they brought in, I I can't. What was it? Williams. Wasn't crazy about him. He was all right. He wasn't great. But I liked the two of them together, oddly enough. I don't know. But, yeah, that was a good recommendation, Dave. I'll give you that. Hey, I'm due for one every, like, ten years of friendship. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you, sir. Thank you. All right. I think with that, we'll get out of here for tonight. Uh, Thank you, everybody, for listening to us on all the podcasting outlets, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, TuneIn, Bullhorn. Rate, like, share, subscribe, do all the things, and we'll get out of here for tonight. Let's do some final thoughts. Great having you back, Dave Hastings. Happy to be back, my friend. Heads up, two weeks from now, I have one of my fantasy football drafts, but that week I don't have anything crazy. So if you want to do the show a different night, we can work that out. I'll remind you again next week, but just want to give you the heads up now. So, All right, cool. Yeah, like the week itself, nothing crazy, but that night um, I'm hosting the fantasy football draft. So it's not one of those things where it's like online where I can still do the show with you, which would actually be a lot of fun. Like being like, hey, I'm. <laughs> I'm up. These are my options. Where should I go? Like have like a sports zone Dave team. That, yeah. that would be fun. But yeah, no, it, it's my in-person big money draft. So, um, okay. yeah, so I'm hosting. But like I said, that week itself isn't anything crazy. So we can definitely pick another night. All right. Yeah, we'll definitely talk about that. Sounds good. All right. Well, I would add, you- I'm glad to be back. Missed you last week. And uh, until next week, my friend. Thanks, Dave. And I am Mike Agliloro. Thank you, everybody, for listening. We will see y'all next week.